This episode of Diamond Talk is brought to you by Megaseats.com. Megaseats.com is your go-to website for buying tickets for your favorite sporting events, concert, or theater. Yeah, you heard me right. Go see a Yankee game during the day, then go see Springsteen on Broadway at night. It's that easy. This website is awesome. There are no service fees ever. There's no shipping to get you your tickets, and the website is super user-friendly. And right now, use the code SSAW Network for 10% off. I went and checked it out. I looked myself. You get a great map of the venue. You get to see where your seats are to watch whatever you're going to be watching. And when you enter in that code, you do get 10% off. And there's no service fees or shipping added. So the price you see is the price that you're actually going to pay. And I'm used to having to click through a couple different screens to see what my actual price is. Best thing about this website is whatever you see on that screen as you're perusing tickets, that is the price you're going to see on your receipt. So go to megaseats.com and get your tickets for the next sporting event and we'll see you on the field. everybody welcome to today's episode of diamond talk and yo this is a fun one look this is a fun one it's very clear what we're going to talk about right uh the field of dreams game how sick was that we're going to get that right into that with with rob and nick you know also there's some there's some cool stuff happening so some players are coming back some guys that we expected to have some big impact before we get to all that yo rob nick how you guys doing What's going on, man? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. I'm I'm here, ready to talk baseball like always. And you know, we're not we're not that far removed from the trade deadline, and it feels like we're already like playing a whole new ball game with some teams. So we're definitely gonna dive into that. Yeah, man, ready to go. Really looking forward to talking about the Field of Dreams game because that was epic. Uh, so yeah, ready to go. Let's talk some baseball. Yo, before we get to that, I have like a very minor confession, and I mean, I'm not. I don't think it's gonna be shocking, but. Yo, I've never seen the movie Field of Dreams. So this, this is like a this is like a weird episode for me to like talk about because I I've like never seen the movie. Like I know what it's about, right? Like people in Iowa, they see ghosts. Like like um, you know, you see dead people. I'm pretty sure I'm mixing movies, but like they're you know they're out there like husking corn. Um, you know, people play catch with their dad. Is that is that kind of the gist of the movie? Am I close? I, I feel like I'm close. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> All right, man. Look, so look, let's just get to it, man. I, I, I just want to get your guys' reactions first and foremost, man. Nick, I am. I am. If there was any bet I would make, is I'm 100% sure you've watched Field of Dreams not once, but po- probably 10 times, man. So, what was your impression of the game and everything that went on that day? I have seen Field of Dreams over 100 times easy in my lifetime. My kids have each seen it over 10 times. Um, there's a lot of people in the baseball world who don't like the movie, and that's fine. I mean, the baseball play in it isn't the best, but it's not meant to be. Uh, but it's if, if you take it for what it is, a movie story about baseball, it is absolutely great. And I think they did so much justice to it. The field itself, I thought it was going to be on the field from the movie. So I was surprised that it wasn't. Um, but to see the field, the way they made it, the see-through fence, to see the corn, just the old wood-looking you know, way it was set up, minimal stands. I, they did a magnificent job. It was beautiful to watch. I definitely had tears in my eyes at different points. Uh, I loved everything about it. I love that Brett Gardner was in the starting lineup. I'm I'm super happy he hit a home run. Like, he is the most tenured Yankee, and for the Yankees to be in that game, I think it was great. There's so many just phenomenal storylines. And, oh, by the way, the game was super exciting. I'm pretty sure they made that field to have lots of offense, and boy, did it ever. Bombs all over the place. And the sight of losing the ball into a cornfield is absolutely impeccable. It's such a great vision. I love what they did. I hope they keep doing it. I hope they expand on it. You know, there's a lot of comments about making the Sandlot into a game. And with Hollywood and MLB, they can do whatever they want. Um, it was $5 million to do everything, which is a drop in the bucket. And the proceeds help go to minor league baseball players, which I hope they keep doing that. 
But this is, it definitely grew the game. And the best thing about this, no matter what anybody wants to say, I think we've all heard the stat. This is the highest rated MLB baseball game in the last 16 years. It had higher ratings than the last Super Bowl. It had higher ratings than the NBA Finals any game. It worked. And it got people who don't normally watch the game in this country to watch a game. And they just got a show put on. They had the right teams between the White Sox and the Yankees playing it. Next year, I believe, is Reds versus Cubs. So, Cubs, you better get something out of your, you know, you better make some turnaround real quick. But it's it was very exciting. I love the way they did it. Uh, I mean, I, there's not the only part, as I think Kevin Costner overacted just a little bit walking onto the field. But I thought it was awesome how many of the White Sox went over to shake his hand. You could see so many of the players, you know, taking in the moment, walking through the cornfield, walking on the field and going to shake his hand. Chills just thinking about it. It was done so well. I was very impressed, and I can't wait until it happens again. Side note, that was supposed to be last year, 2020, was going to be on my birthday, and I was going to be at the game, and then COVID hit and ruined it. So I, I hope I get a chance to go next year. No Iowa for you. Now, nah, man, look, honestly, I, you know, and I just want to hit on this point because I think it's a great point. The one opportunity that baseball has compared to, you know, the NFL, the NBA, is that there's no dimensional requirements on a baseball field, other than like the infield, right? You need 90 feet, you need 86 feet, six inches for the mound. You know, other than that, though, you can literally have anything you want out there. You know, it's the reason why, even though I'm a Yankee fan, I, I love Fenway Park. I, I love the uniqueness of the ballpark, right? Things like Wrigley Field, people love the uniqueness of that ballpark. And I think that was, for, for me, that was the biggest thing on the display on, on that day, the Field Dream Day, just because, like, it was nuts, right? Another kind of side thing I liked about it is that because the way it was set up, you couldn't have the, the K zone. So for the first time in a long time, you saw pitchers just throwing it to the plate. And at no point was I second-guessing the umpires. At no point was I, like, nitpicking the calls because, you know, to be honest with you, if it was outside, it looked outside, right? I wasn't being guided by this, you know, fake imaginary kind of, arbitrary box that that the tv puts up there but look i would absolutely love a sandlot game I, that that would be absolutely insane and you know with hollywood with with the creativity out there in the baseball world and the, the creative minds out there and just engineering you can make some some really crazy stadiums which i think is one of the best parts about baseball but yo rob i'm gonna kick it to you man because this was a it was a bittersweet day for us right a day of a lot of emotions Giancarlo says, "What's up? Hold it, hold me back. I'm gonna put us ahead, and then we end up losing on a, on a walk off. But other than that, you know, I, I think it was a pretty awesome, awesome game, man. What, what were your impressions of, of that day? Yeah, no, man, it was a, it was a fantastic game for for the sport of baseball. I think, uh, you know, like Nick pointed out, you had the two perfect teams playing it. You have you had the Chicago White Sox, which you know is for the people who who have seen the movie of uh, Field of Dreams, like." It's perfect reference to the movie from the whole, you know, Black Sox scandal and stuff. And then you have the Yankees who are, you know, just even outside of baseball, just sports, one of the most recognizable franchises in the world. Um, so I think it was the two perfect teams to play to play the game. And like you said, man, I mean, that ninth inning, that ninth inning is the kind of, of electricity that you want. I don't like it's it's as a fan of baseball, like I don't even care that the Yankees lost, you know, like it's like exactly that like you wanted that from John Carlo right so it got us hype but even then when the game finished I said it was a predictable the only reason I said it was a predictable walk-off is because anyone who's seen Zach Britton pitch this year I mean it's been rough and the White Sox lineup is loaded so and Nick, like Nick also said that field was made for offense you have the White Sox versus the Yankees two of the best lineups in baseball like, I'm not surprised that someone like Tim Anderson just took out Zach Britton, who had like a six ERA or something like that. But even then, like the attitude that you saw from Tim Anderson after he had that walk up is exactly what you want to see. Like you want to see players exhibiting more personalities. Um, and I think it's great for the game. I, I, I really hope that the Cubs and, and the Reds next year, you know, kind of follow up on that. Uh, the, the Cubs, I, I mean. The Cubs would make me a little happier if they had the, if they had the, the names that they traded away, right? Like it, it would it would be a little more um, with star power. But yeah, I think I think alongside this, like you mentioned, you know, Sandlot game or something like that, just like making making uh, bigger connections with a lot of these, you know, throwback baseball movies. A, 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 there have been a lot of baseball movies that that have been like pretty big, right? And they 
they've kind of uh, stuck stuck with uh, people who are adults uh, nowadays. And maybe they can, you know, if you kind of bring these things kind of to life, you can form even a, a deeper connection with, with, you know, kids and, and things like that who are coming up in baseball today. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it's a great way to keep growing the game as well. I think the more eyes that you have on the games with special events like this and the more that you let the players actually express themselves, I think, you know, it's it's always going to be great for the game. And I just hope that they keep improving on it. Yo, absolutely, man. And and this kind of goes in, in a second stage, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, we were introduced to the Williamsburg game where, where it's where, you know, major league teams play at Williamsburg for the Little League uh, World Series. So this is pretty much just an expansion of that, right? Um, so I think it's exciting to see where 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 this goes, right? Uh, the teams this year, like you guys mentioned, they were perfect for it. And it's funny because if you if you if this was before the All Star break, there was no chance that the Yankees would have looked good during that game, right? Because they were they these these men were struggling. But after trade deadline, they get all those stars and you know they kind of make a run at it. So it, great game all around. And I kind of want to stick on the White Sox right now. Because, you know, the, the, the Field of Dreams, that, that was a great thing. But I know White Sox fans are, are very excited about some other stuff that happened in the last couple of weeks. And primarily, that is the return of their studs. We saw Lewis Robert in that game, right? Lewis Robert is finally back from injury. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, he's back, right? And, you know, th- these guys aren't on the White Sox, but at one point they were. Fernando Tatis Jr., Back from injury in the outfield, right? That's kind of that's kind of the, the, the interesting part, right? He's out, he's out there in right field. Obviously, this man's athletic enough where he can play absolutely anywhere. We also have the return of another former White Sox, right? So Chris Sale back on the mound after his his um, what's it called his UCL injury and going through Tommy John and that process. So out of look out of those four guys, you know all those all those guys are playing on a contender. Out of those four guys, which one do you think is the most important in order for their team to have success to the playoffs and, and in the playoffs, right? And I'll start off, off with you, Nick, since your mute button is off, and I saw that right away, man. So, Nick, get, get it started. <laughs> so, this is – I think this is a split between Tatis and Sale because I truly think the Red Sox are 100% dependent on Sale, and I also think the Padres are 100% dependent on Tatis. They are both – Tatis has been that piece for them. They are a worse team without him, and it's very clear. The fact that he's in the outfield is absolutely insane. But the, I mean, the, mo- the coolest thing about Tatis is every time he comes back from injury, he does something awesome. Since he's come back in four games, he's six for thirteen with five runs, three home runs, five RBIs, hitting four sixty two with a one dot seven six nine OPS. Like it's it's almost like he just took a vacation and came back ready to go. It's crazy, and he did this the last time he came off the IL. It should not happen for you to come off of not seeing Major League pitching for 10 days and to come back in and do this. It's it's crazy. And Chris Sale's first game, five innings pitch, eight strikeouts, no walks. Every single pitcher who comes back from Tommy John has issues with control. And this guy's first start, he goes five innings, eight Ks, no walks. It's crazy. If this is... That baseline Chris Sale is better than any other starting pitcher that Boston has. That is their ace, and that is good enough. And if he gets better from there, the Red Sox are going to be in that wild card race, and I did not think they were going to be. So for me, it's a tie because I truly think that the season for both of these teams rely on the people that they just got back. That's, you know, so, you know, that is huge for the Red Sox, right? Chris Sale is by far their most talented person at rotation. And it's it's not even close, in my opinion. Right, Rodriguez is all right. I, I, I think he's, a, he's, a, he's an all right pitcher. I have him as a, a, a B to B minus type guy in a rotation. But Chris Sale is a game changer. We've seen it throughout his career. This guy just does something that is kind of unseen right now. He kind of, he's, he's like Randy Johnson light in some, in some senses. My favorite part of Chris Sale's uh, comeback right now was what he said after his game. He's like, look, I haven't been able to do what I love for, for over a year and a half, and I'm never going to take this game for granted like I did before. Like, I know that I, I'm not going to play this game forever, and, you know, it's really important for me to be out there and, and compete and do the best I can to be there as long as possible. So if you're a Red Sox fan who, you know, you know you signed up to that long contract, those are words you want to hear from your ace. 
Uh, yo, Rob, I'm going to keep the question to you, man. Who do you think is the most important person that came back to your team from injury? We're, we're not counting the Yankees injuries because those were all COVID-related. But, yeah, man, who, who do you got? Yeah, no, I, I think I have to agree, and I, I'm going to say Chris Sale. Uh, I think just simply off the fact that we've been talking about it for, for weeks now, I think the Red Sox have pretty much been a surprise. I had them, I had them finishing fourth in the division this year. So they they pretty much been a, a surprise, right? Like I don't want to call it a choke job because of what my expectations were for them before the season, but they were pretty much holding on to first place in the in the AL East for a good amount of time, and then they lost that, and now after these last two games against the Yankees, they lost their wild card spot. So I mean, the season's definitely not over for them. They're right there with with the Yankees. Like they could they could literally take a wild card spot like in these next couple of days for sure. Um, but I think for them, like, you know, Chris Sale is that guy. Chris Sale has hit a level that no other guy on their team has hit. It's, it's the, it's the Scherzer, Kershaw, Verlander, Randy Johnson, Pedro, DeGrom level. Like that Chris Sale is that good. Um, I don't know. Again, we're going to have to see a couple more starts, right? We don't know if we're going to see Chris Sale, Chris Sale. We don't know for how much longer we're going to see him at all. Right. But he can very much change this season for the Red Sox. If if you have Chris Sale at the front of your rotation at 80 85% health, like I'm I'm cool with that. Like it, it adds more confidence to to a team that I wasn't that confident in their pitching at all. But again, now now it's become a situation where you were probably looking two or three weeks ago and it looked like the Red Sox were had a comfortable seat, you know, going going into the playoffs, you know, at the at the very least as a wild card spot and and that's no longer the case and and you know, we we still don't know because to be honest with you, I think if you look at, at how the, the AL wildcard is pretty much playing out, right? You have the Yankees right there. You have the Athletics right there. You, you still have Toronto right there. Toronto hasn't gone away. And you know what? Not for nothing, but Seattle has lesser talent than some of these teams. And they've been able to keep up for the majority of the season. And they're still right there. Like, they, like their season's not over. So I, I don't know. I mean, and so yeah, for the Red Sox having a guy come back like that, no, no other team really had had a, uh, you know, no other team that the Red Sox are competing with directly had someone like return like that of a Chris Sale level that can be a difference maker in a rotation. And and for them, you know, they're kind of they're kind of at the point where they have to hope that that happens. Yo, real quick with Chris Sale comeback, you know, we we've, we've this is a great age for pitching with Kershaw, Verlander, Degrom, Scherzer, all the guys that Rob just mentioned. And Chris Sale is arguably the best out of all of them in his career. He's got 1,600 innings pitched. So back in the day, the horses were 300 innings pitched. That's eight years of him pitching. That's a long career, even at a horse level of 300 innings pitched per season. He is the all-time Major League Baseball leader in strikeouts per nine. And he is the all-time Major League Baseball leader in strikeouts per walk. Now, I know sabermetrics have gone away from that and gone to strikeout and walk percentage. But that's still amazing. For every nine innings pitched, there is not a single pitcher in the history of baseball that is strikes out more guys per nine innings than Chris Sale. And on top of that, most guys who strike out that much, like a Randy Johnson, will walk a lot of guys. He doesn't. He's got the all-time strikeout-to-walk ratio. Also, against all the pitchers that we know, he has the best career whip out of all of them at a 1.035. He is arguably the best pitcher that we've seen since 2010. And that's crazy to think because he's when he was on the White Sox, he just wasn't really noticed, and he's been hurt the last two years. This guy is absolutely one of the best in the game, and he doesn't get that notoriety, and it is a really big deal that he's coming back. It's crazy how much he can swing the fortunes of that team. He's been unstoppable, man. Like he's, I think we forget because it's been a while, right? And the last time we did see him, he was kind of struggling. Uh, you know, he, had, he had arm fatigue. He just didn't look himself. He wasn't whipping that arm around the way he, he was on during his White Sox days. And you know what? He's thrown a lot of pitches in his career, like like you mentioned. So that kind of does lay a toll on you. You know, for me, I'm going to go a different route just because, you know, one of you guys mentioned pretty much the, the two biggest guys. But, you know, I don't want to under – I don't want to, like, put over a cover that, you know, the, the impact of, of Luis Robert and, and Eloy Jimenez. You know, that Chicago White Sox team got better just by the addition of those two guys, by them, by them coming back, right? Robert gives you pretty much everything you want out of a center fielder. He, he tracks the ball down. He's a go-glover from last year. You know, he's shown that he's a guy that puts the ball in play. The power numbers haven't really showed up yet this year. 
he obviously just came back to, you know, and Eloy, he has just proven that he's a middle of the lineup guy. This guy comes up with runners on base and he has changed the, di- the dimension of that of that lineup. So this is a package deal with them, right? I just don't want to. I just want to forget them and not talk about them because their impact is going to be felt. Um, these are guys that they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to they're going to perform at at a, at a really high level, in my opinion. So you know, just just want to give them that credit. Um, some more injury news. This one's not about comebacks. This is actually a pretty scary sight. Uh, last night, or or should I say Tuesday night, Chris Bassett gets gets hit with a line drive. Right back to the face, and in in my opinion, one of the scariest moments in baseball, even more scary than when a pitcher hits a batter, just because you have so much less reaction time, in my opinion, when it comes off a bat, it's so much more more random. It's not something that you're really expecting typically, and it can really affect the way that you go about pitching the rest of your career. We've seen it affect some guys. So, yo, look, I'm just gonna kick it to you to you first again, Nick, and. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like this. You know, probably not to the level of getting hit right back to the face. You know, whether you have or not, you can let us know right now. But man, what are yo? What what are your thoughts on this? So I have not watched the play, and I'm I'm kind of scared to <clears throat> because when I was playing ball at Chico State, I actually our number one starter, our Friday night guy, got hit in the head, and he got taken off the field on a cart, you know, with an ambulance. And so I've seen it live, and I mean. He got hit with the ball and the ball bounced off his head into the stands and he throws 91, 92 topped out at like 94. Chris Bassett throws harder than that. As far as I know. And like, you're right. There is no reaction time though. I've had two comebackers in my career. One hit me off the top of my foot, broke my foot. And I, there was no way of reacting. The other one, luckily my glove got in the way before it hit me in the crotch. Like it's scary because you don't, it's luck. There's it's pure luck. It's did your reaction happen the right way? And did your glove get in the way? And you don't, you can't say you caught the ball. The ball caught you if you happen to catch it. So I don't know if I want to watch this play because I have seen a teammate literally get a line drive back in the head that bounced into the stands and see him just absolutely motionless on the ground. It is unbelievably scary because, you know, there's nothing anybody could have done. It, it sucked, man. It, and, you know, it's not the first time we see it. Uh, we've seen it many times before, and it's just so quick, man. I, you know, I... <laughs> I remember a lot of people, th- I mean, a lot of people do talk about kind of the speed of the game and how it's different as you kind of level up. Well, look, you're not going to have any less reaction time than any, any MLB, right? These are some big dudes hitting a pretty small ball comparatively at velocities over 100 miles per hour in most cases. Yeah, no, man, I, I was able to, to see the play uh, uh, on Twitter, but yeah, man, it, it's a scary thing every time something like that happens. And I think I was checking this morning, but like a lot of people were just, were just like tweeting out, like you know, that they were getting the reports that he that he was good, um, and I think you know for Oakland's sake, I I don't know if if uh, I didn't look that deep into it. I don't know if maybe you saw if they said how long he was going to be out for, um, but for Oakland's sake, I mean, this is this has been Oakland's guy this season, you know, and we just came we just came uh, off talking about you know a team like the Boston Red Sox. Oakland is in a similar situation. Right. Like Oakland is still fight is still fighting for for a playoff spot. Right. And and definitely um, this is this is obviously secondary to to uh, Chris Bassett's health. You know, I, I'm, I'm just glad that, that he's primarily uh, OK. Um, and then the side thing is that Oakland is also, you know, going to going to miss a guy like that, you know, probably a, a great locker room presence as well. So, you know, we we wish him uh, we wish him well and, and, and recovery again. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but I know. I know Oakland is definitely wishing that that it's going to be a short time for him. He's in the middle of a great season too, which is which is the really kind of unfortunate part. I think this year he's really kind of set himself to, to a point where it, he he's he's a good to, to he's a really good pitcher this year, right? Uh, he's put up great numbers. It's it's just sad to see, and we obviously do hope for the best. Um, as of right now, I don't think Oakland has has set any plans as to when he's coming back or anything like that. Um, I think their biggest fear is making sure that he doesn't have any kind of ongoing head trauma with that kind of stuff, right? You can, you know, you can have concussion of, of all things, right? You can have uh, skull fractures. So, you know, we're, we're kind of just hoping for the best news, right? Um, you know, kind of a kind of a weird segue, but I, I think with that, we do have to talk about the standings and, and where we sit uh, because it has changed since the time, since the last time we were on air. And, it's getting crazy. It's getting kind of crazy. 
let's start you guys off with with the National League, right? Look, the Braves. The Braves have jumped to first place. The injured, we don't have our MVP. We don't have our ace Braves. Our two and a half games in first place, the NL East. The Mets, even though they're facing an, an absolutely kind of just treacherous schedule, they've been falling. They've been falling fast. Their owners even kind of getting on their players, which you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to go, man. But, yo, look, NL East, what, what are your guys' takes right now with the NL East? Is this something that was expected? Oh, dude, the NL East is all over the place, man. <laughs> like, And I think we kind of expected it to be. I, I still don't think I, – I mean, if I had a bet right now, like, yeah, I'd probably put money on Atlanta being able to hold down the division. But I still think the division is – is completely wide open. I mean, I, I was thinking about it earlier today um, just because, you know, I, I do some like sports gambling and stuff like that. And I was looking at like some of the odds for like uh, like NL MVP. Right. And it was crazy to me on a lot of on a lot of the sites, like what, what a lot of people aren't talking about. Dude, Bryce Harper is a top three like betting favorite for NL MVP on most sites. And it's like everyone knows that Fernando Tatis is like the NL, you know, favorite to win MVP this year. But and people aren't talking enough about the fact that a guy like Bryce Harper is pretty much back to being, you know, somewhat of his MVP level self this year for Philly, right? Like he he's putting he's putting a great season together for Philadelphia, like and and he's been he's been great for them and and what they've been able to achieve. And another guy, you know, like him that's kind of having a, a bounce back, Zach Wheeler. Like Zach Wheeler is having a tremendous pitching season for for Philadelphia as well. So I wouldn't count Philadelphia out at all. I mean, two and a half back of Atlanta is nothing. Um, you know, even a team like the Mets, like a lot of a lot of people are going to clown on the Mets. But hey, in my opinion, I get why they did the Javi Baez trade. Like it might it might have been to like kind of like appease Francisco Lindor and stuff like that. But I still think they should have went after Chris Bryant over Javi Baez um, simply just because I think that he he would have been a better fit for them. I'm not I'm definitely not saying it's Javi Baez's fault that the Mets are doing what they're doing because as a team, it's happening to them as a team. Um, and I don't really know what to say about the situation with the, I don't know if you guys saw the subtweeting that, that Steve Cohen had done, um, to the Mets earlier today, but yeah, I, I don't know. I still think the division is up for grabs. Um, but if I had to put money on it today, I, I would say that Atlanta still holds on to it. All right, man. What about you, Nick? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Atlanta's to lose. I don't see them. There's I don't see any way that they lose this division. Uh, Philadelphia, unfortunately is going to waste Bryce Harper's year. They just the bullpen is bad, and they're just not a deep enough lineup. Uh, the Mets, you know, say whatever you want, but they've just had too many injuries this year. And I know there's a lot of teams that have had a lot of injuries, but the Mets have had some serious injuries all year, and it just feels like their entire team has been an offensive slump all season long. But I really think that the Mets' identity was with Jacob Degrom, and with him not coming back, it just feels like that entire team is just deflating. And then to have Lindor out at the same time, your number one offensive guy, your number one arm, both go down. And it sucks because they have had a great year from Taewon Walker. Pete Alonso isn't doing terrible. Like they've had some guys come in and perform. But when you're missing your one through four hitter at some point during the year for an extended period of time, it's just, it's not going to happen. And Philadelphia, I just don't see being able to pull it all together. They've got good starting rotation. Um, for the first two guys, first three guys, and then their offense can bang out some runs. But in general, I mean, like I said last week, the Atlanta Braves are the only team that have a positive run differential, and it did not change to this week. It actually got worse. Atlanta has more, a higher positive run differential, and everybody else went the other way. Uh, really, the only race for me to look at is, does Washington or Miami pull up the rear? That's really the only thing I'm looking at because I don't. the Mets aren't going to come back, barring a miracle. And Philadelphia, I just don't see it either. And to be honest, I would rather see Atlanta in the postseason. Um, as much as I kind of disrespect them over time and say, I just don't understand how they get it or how they're doing it year to year, and I don't think they're that good. I, I would love to see them in the postseason for guys like Ozzie Albies and guys like Freddie Freeman. And I'm sure Cunha Jr. will be right there in the dugout with them. They have a lot of guys that I like, and their entire infield is absolutely playing all-star level. Swanson and Austin Riley are all doing their thing. And when you've got that much talent on a team that even with a rough start to the year can pull through and never, never give up, that's saying a lot. And it makes me respect this team a heck of a lot more. So I, they've got it. I don't see how they lose it, but I would like to see Bryce Harper get a few more MVP votes. He's not, he doesn't have the eye popping numbers that Tatis does, but yeah, like, 
like Rob said, he's having an incredible year. It's gonna be fun, man. It, it's for me, it's the funnest race to watch, and and it's dysfunctional, right? I I don't think that any of those teams are as good as any of the three teams on the on the West Coast, right? When we talk about the NL West, but you know, for me, the thing with the Mets is when the Grom's not there, they don't really have an identity, right? Because let's say if, if we say pitching is their identity, well, the guys after the Grom really aren't that great to kind of be able to claim that with them, right? Offensively, you know, we can't say that's their identity either. They, they struggle pretty mightily, right? Like, you know, I, I mentioned on the post this morning where I, I don't get the Conforto love, right? Like, I get it. He's had an all-star year, but for me, it's like, if this is the middle of your lineup guy, then, you know, I'm not happy with it, right? Uh, Pete Alonso has, has, has kind of done great as far as uh, making more consistent contact with the ball, so I do like that. We know the Francisco Lindor struggles, but yeah, look, Atlanta. We don't know exactly how they're doing it. They just keep doing it, though, right? They play, they they play the game the right way, and they kind of keep chugging along there. So it's you know I have them finishing in first place. I don't think that's going to be shocking if they do end up there at the end of the season. Yo, Central, it's pretty clear. Look, Brewers, Brewers are making the playoffs. They're nine games ahead of the Reds. The Reds are, look, the Reds are trying really hard. Uh, they, they look. They look better than I think anyone thought they would this year. Uh, Cardinals do not look good whatsoever, right? They were kind of the NL Central um, betters' favorite to start the year, where you know people love the Nolan Arenado signing, but they're another team where you're kind of like living off of of past moments, right? You have Adam Rain- Wainwright doing crazy stuff, like pitching a perfect, uh, uh, sorry, pitching a complete game with like 83 pitches, stuff that Greg Maddox. Did in his prime, but you know after that it's it's kind of been pretty bare. They're another team where you kind of look at and they're very beatable. They're very beatable, man. So look, NL Central. What are your takeaways? Look, I don't think we have to like go much into detail here, right? But you know, let's say Brewers run away with this. My question to you guys is: Do you think the Reds or Cardinals have a chance to sneak into a wild card spot? Yeah, I think the Reds do for sure. The Cardinals, I would be shocked if they do, but they've got so much talent there that they could explode at any second. But uh, I definitely see the Reds as having a chance. They really believe in themselves and their close-knit team. I am interested to see what the Brewers do with their horses because Freddie Peralta has been kind of, not necessarily on a pitch limit, like an innings limit, but he is not going into the sixth inning like he was in the middle of the year and towards the early part of the year. So I think they're definitely limiting their pitches. He hasn't thrown 100 pitches since June 4th. And I don't know if they're going to do a good job of saving him for the postseason, which they should do, or if they're going to keep limiting him and hope the bullpen pulls through. So that's what I'm kind of interested to see from the Brewers. But the Reds definitely have a good shot. I would love to see them in there. I think they'd be a fun team to have in the postseason. Yeah, no, uh, I think in the Central, you know, you're you're going to have Milwaukee run away with it. And in terms of uh, – Someone going for the wild card, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati can make a push, but I, I still think, I still think uh, things are going to play out in the in the two uh, NL West teams. Probably, um, you know, having the three teams coming from the NL West uh, taking it, but yeah, in the NL Central, I mean, it's pretty much decided. Brewers are going to go to the to the postseason with with a three headed monster of a rotation, and it's going to be a fun thing to watch. Def- definitely is, man. And look, the good thing for the Brewers is that they're so far ahead. They can start gearing up for that thing, right? So they, they don't have to pitch Corbin Burns, you know, seven innings and have him pitch like 115 pitches per game just to get in there. They'll be able to rest those guys up, right? And, and that's kind of a that's a big deal come playoff time. Uh, yo, NL West, you know, we all know the three-headed monster. Right now, one of those monsters, which is uh, the San Diego Padres, struggling, man. Look, three and seven in their last 10, not really keeping up. They just made one of the most, Head scratching signings we've seen, and and that's of Jake Arrieta, right? Like he gets he gets cut by the Cubs, and and now he's a Padre. I don't I don't know if that's really necessarily the greatest move, right? So we're not even gonna talk about the Rockets or Diamondbacks. They're they're absolute trash. But you know, look, do you think anything changes in the NL West as far as the top three got top three teams, and can the Padres hold on? I don't know, man, because it's like I want to say I want to say that San Francisco like makes it all the way to the end of the season and, and takes the division, but for some reason something tells me that the Dodgers just make a comeback and win the division. I I, I just think it's like look, they have they have Kershaw, they have they have Scherzer, they have Bueller, um, 
they traded for for Scherzer and got you know Trey Turner for a reason, right? I think those moves. I would imagine that they pay off for them. I, I think it's I, I think it's a situation where the division is San Francisco to to, to lose, right? I think the Dodgers are gonna are gonna finish the year strong. They're gonna make a push for you know probably ninety five plus wins. Like they're gonna make their usual push. Um, San Francisco pretty much just has to hold on. Um, and in terms of San Diego, I think I think San Diego is gonna go into the postseason as a as a wild card. Um, I think they hold on to the end of the year and they and they hold off from uh, Cincinnati and and potentially a team like the Phillies. Um, and yeah, I, I easily see it as those three, as it stands right now, like, I, you know, barring any major injury or anything like that to a player, like as it stands right now, like I see it being the three teams from the NL West. No, I tend to agree, man. I'm going to kick it to, to Nick right r- real quick, but look, I, what I'm going to say about this, the, the, the Giants, I, you know, I agree. I, I think that they win the division just, just because I don't know, man, like they, they just seem to have it more together than any of the teams in that division. I think the winner of the the Padres Dodgers wild card game eliminates them though, because when it comes to kind of um, like short game series, I don't see them doing doing very well, right? I think that's that's one of the criticisms that we've had with the Farhan in the past. I don't see the Giants losing this because as much as the talent on the Dodgers is much better, when the Dodgers go nine and one, the Giants also went nine and one in their last ten, and there's there's something about when you're getting chased and you can keep pace with who's chasing you and everybody's talking higher about them and better about them like there's a confidence level that the Giants have and getting Chris Bryant into that clubhouse cannot be talked about enough he feels comfortable he's already making conversation around signing with the Giants it's not like hey yes I'm coming back but it's it's more conversation that he's having about re-signing with the Giants than he ever had with the Cubs and that's saying a lot it's nothing nothing at all against the Dodgers. Nothing. They are a great team. They have all the talent in the world. But we don't know if Kershaw's coming back. Bueller and Scherzer are absolutely, you know, bar none, they're the best two pitchers in the entire division, like not even close. And But still, like, they got to get over the Giants, and they have it all season. And the Giants have literally no reason to fear anybody. They just keep getting wins. They just score more runs more often than the other team. And they keep doing it in different ways with different players. They really are the definition of next man up. They might be the deepest 40-man roster in terms of production in all of Major League Baseball. So I don't see any reason. Like at this point, you have to beat the champ to be the champ. And even though the Dodgers are the champ from last year, playoffs a whole other ballgame. And like you said, it's scary to see the Giants really be able to pull off a short series. They're they're built as a long-term team. But if you look at any three, four, seven-game stretch this season, I don't think they have a losing record over seven games at any point during the season. That's saying a lot. That goes for a lot of their confidence. I do think the Padres fall out. You Darvish is struggling. Uh, Tatis is off injured. Who knows when his shoulder is going to pop out again? I don't see the Padres pulling through, and there's no shame in that because they really still are about a year ahead of schedule. Rob is constantly saying 2022 is that year for them. And when you run into the Dodgers who are perennial and you run into a Giants team that all of a sudden decides to be a contender, it's not a shot at the Padres. They just have two teams ahead of them that are just pulling it out of their asses every single night. You know, the the comments you make about the Giants and and their depth in the 40-man roster, it feels like that's exactly what we were saying about the Dodgers at the beginning of the season. You know, and to the Dodgers' credit and that depth, they've dealt with injuries all year long, all year long. And they're still, you know, two and a half games out. I think the standings have more to do with we didn't think the Giants were going to be this good more than the Dodgers actually struggling, right? I, exactly. I, I think any other year the Dodgers struggle, and they're probably still in first place by by probably a handful of games. But this year, look, the Giants just they they just they just gotten it done, and we can't even say like it's with bad players. I think everyone can. Appreciate the talent there that is on that team, right? Uh, Longoria, they're getting the best out of Longoria, which he's a guy we left for dead, right? Brandon Crawford, he's another guy we left for dead. He just got extended, right? Which which is kind of crazy to think about. They're talking about extending Buster Posey, who's another guy who you know at the beginning of the year we're talking about, hey, are the legs still there? Can this guy make it through this season? Never mind the next couple, and these guys are there, and these are guys that we know are talented. You know, they're not guys that are talented talent deficient they're older 
but they know how to play the game, which is something that I think you have to appreciate, right? Because, you know, we, we obviously devalue veterans in today's game, right? We don't think about them the same way that we, we might have 10 years ago. But, the you know, Giants are kind of doing it like they did it when, when they signed guys like Aubrey Huff and Pat Barrel and, and all these guys during that run, which has got to be scary to watch if, if you're any of the NL teams. If you're any of the MLB teams, right, who are going to go up against these guys in the playoffs. Let's go to the AL quick and hey, real real quick, I I haven't heard it before, so I'm gonna throw out there first time in the tens, the 2010s, the Giants had the even years, 10, 12, and 14. Maybe the 20s is the odd years, 21, 23, 25. Who knows? Ooh, look at Nick, the former Giant fan, going going back there. By the way, Nick, is there any petition to go back to San Francisco for you? Not until Kapler's gone. I will I will definitely root for them to beat the dog turds in the playoffs and to keep going, but that that's about all that they get. I would rather see the Tampa Bay Rays win the World Series over the Giants. You, no, you hold no your tongue. shot at them, but... You hold your tongue. What's that? I said you hold your tongue. Hey, hey, the Rays are going to be in the World Series again. Sorry, I, I called that preseason. I'm sticking with it. All right, man. Look, let, let, let's take it to the AL, and we're going to start with the, with the division that there's no chance of anyone doing anything other than the White Sox. The White Sox are running away with the the AL Central. We just mentioned the the platoon that they have coming back. You know, you know, we mentioned Kimber last last time we were here. So I don't think we got to spend much time on the AL Central. So I just ask you guys this, yo, Rob, do you see any surprises coming out of the Central? Things that we might not really be thinking of right now. I mean, not this season, bro. Like I, the White Sox pretty much have it on lock, and the White Sox. I mean, look, if we're gonna be honest, the White Sox have it on lock. Probably what three, four, five. Five years like the, this team is I mean if this team is, just stays together the the nucleus that they are right now like they're pretty much gonna have a lock on this division and everyone else is just gonna have to be like hoping that they can put up a, a fight for a wild card spot honestly yo you know what, one of the intriguing teams for me is actually the Tigers they, they have young enough mm. prospects that can come up in the next couple of years granted I don't know if they do like some kind of like magic where they where they gonna turn into a contender next year but 20 2023, 2024, that, that Tiger team might, might be interesting, right? Tolkerson's going to be coming up. Casey Mize is going to be their, their, their ace, and he's shown to be pretty good. So, obviously, none for this year, but the next couple of years could get interesting. Yo, Nick, what about you, man? Anything that you're watching for in the AL Central? You stole my thunder. The Detroit Tigers. I want to see them get over 500. I want to see them take second place. I want to see the run differential be zero by the end of the year, if possible. Like, that is a team to watch, and they definitely are in the sights of competing with the White Sox within two years. And A.J. Hinch deserves so much credit. I I mean, a manager of the year does not come from a team that's in third place and below 500. But, man, has that guy put some stuff together in this clubhouse in Detroit. Props to him. He is proving that he was a World Series manager. And I don't want to say I don't believe – I believe that he didn't know anything was going on in Houston. But I'm definitely on his side that, you know, he wasn't the one running it and he knows exactly what to do. Uh, I would love to see the White Sox bring up some of their AAA guys for a few weeks at a time just to make this competitive. <laughs> you know what they might? Look, the one thing about the Tigers, though, that we haven't mentioned, and it's kind of going under the radar because he hasn't really had a, an amazing season. But, yo, Mickey's one home run away from 500. He's been there for five weeks, though. <laughs> he needs to hit that shit. <laughs> yo, I mean, still, man, like, Mops don't watch. You, you got to love it, man. Mickey, Mickey's had a, a long, challenging career. That's only going to be longer because I, I believe he has two more years left of that monster contract. Oof, that's, that, that's got to be rough, man. But still, fun to watch. Yo, AL West, let's be honest here. It's a two-team race. It's the Astros and A's. Mariners doing a lot of cute stuff. But I don't know, man. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that the Mariners still have a chance in either the wild card or the AL West? I personally think they don't. I think there's an A's and, and, and Astros race. And I think the athletics are they, – they scare me a little bit, man. I feel – even though they've had a good last 10 games, there, there's something weird about that about that team to me. Like, it's, it's a weird feeling for me. Rob, I'll start with you, man. AL West, do you see anything changing here? Uh, I, I don't see too much changing in, in terms of who's going to take the division. I think, I think, you know, Houston was still the favorite to one of the – or at least one of the favorites with Oakland to – to take the division before the year got started. I think, you know, people forget that Houston still has, you know, players out, you know, primarily Alec Bregman, uh, you know, and, and guys like Justin Verlander who still aren't back for them, right? Like, those are key names that that could have 
kept Houston in the conversation of, of a powerhouse in, in the AL, even though they're still right there, right? Like they're like, they're still primed to go to the playoffs um, as of right now. Um, like I said, Oakland, Oakland is fighting for a playoff spot. And I see that I see them. I don't see Oakland sitting in any type of comfort for the remainder of the year. I think Oakland is going to have to finish the year fighting. I think, I think Oakland is, Either way, they're in for a fight, right? Like because they're either going to be fighting with with that group of of the Yankees and Red Sox and and Blue Jays for for that wild card spot, or they're going to be fighting with Houston. I mean, they're not out of it. They're two and a half games back. I mean, Houston can easily expand on that lead, but who knows? Oakland is going to have to keep on fighting. And for Seattle, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Daniel. Like I, I think I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna end up uh, you know eventually falling out of it. But like I said, I think to me it's impressive that. It, when you look when you look at active players, they have lesser talent than a team like the Yankees, a team like the Rays, a team like the White Sox, and things like that. And they still have additional pieces that are going to be coming up for them in these coming seasons, right? So, like Seattle can be a very interesting name to watch in the next couple years here. Um, when I don't think any team necessarily has a has a stronghold on on, on that particular division. So, I think a team like Seattle being able to hold on, still being able to say, "Hey, we're still." you know, this five games out of the, of the wild card or whatever, six games out of the division. Like, I think the fact that they're still able to say that this deep into the season with some of the talent that we've seen and some of the uh, the moves that they made at the deadline, I mean, I think it's it speaks to a little bit to what their future might be looking like. Yeah, yeah, look, de- definitely, right? And by the way, this is not a year where the Mariners fans miss the playoffs and are like, oh, shucks. This is This was a great effort by their team. Right, they're over five hundred by about ten games, so they're eight games over five hundred. Um, yo, Astros—they kind of show that they're just a machine. Guys come in there, they produce. It's it's not always sexy, but it gets the job done. Um, yo, by the way, before we get out of here, what, what what? Yo, Angels was my worst prediction by far. I thought they were going to be battling for first place. Not only do they lose their MVP for for the entire season, but they are absolutely fucking awful. God, what a terrible team, yo. Nick, I'll kick it to you, man. AL West, you see anything shaking up? Nope, not at all. Uh, I would love to see the Mariners overtake the A's. I just don't see it happening. They're too young. There's not enough experience. And the talent level just really isn't there. It's just not there. I think Oakland really needs to play to win the division because there is a strong possibility that the Yankees keep playing hot and Boston with Chris Saleback believes in himself enough that you might have both wild cards coming out of the AL East. So Oakland really needs to push for the, the division. And if that's the case, I mean, like you said, Houston is just a winning machine. I love it. It's a redemption story. They are cheaters. They should not have rings, absolutely. But if they win it this year with all the heat that's been placed to them, there's nothing you can say of the fact that they are absolutely champions. So uh, as much as I don't want to like the Houston Astros, I love the fact they're coming back and shoving in everybody's face. I I don't see them making the World Series since Tampa Bay is my pick, but I would love to see them in playoffs get hot and really prove that they are a team to be threatened with every single year and they're not going anywhere anytime soon they have enough young talent to still be competitive two and three years down the road we, we will we will definitely see yo now to like the, the al east and the orioles have very quietly become the worst team in baseball where they are officially they officially have the worst record right for for a while everyone's clowning on arizona but the orioles very quietly have overtaken that uh they're a mere 34 games uh back of first place so, big things there. Now that we got that out of the way, though, the rest of the division is still pretty tight, right? Uh, the Blue Jays have kind of struggled, right? So, George Springer comes back, shows why he's worth that money, and then gets hurt again, right? That's that's going to be the story of his season. Just can't stay on the field, which is hard because, you know, the, the Blue Jays have messed a lot of money, and that's a big key part of that lineup. You know, they don't, you know, even without George Springer, that lineup is insane. But George Springer added a ridiculous dimension to it. And they're a team that does need to put up gaudy numbers because that that rotation, that bullpen, it's sketchy to say the to say the least, man. Red Sox have fallen out of the the first place uh wild card lead. Right? First of all, they first they lost the division a few weeks ago to, to Rays. Now they're no longer first place in the wild card. You know, obviously pending a game today with the Yankees, that can flip within the next three hours. But they are in a tailspin. Right, they're playing 500 ball, which you say that's not a tailspin, that's 500. But you know, the truth of the matter is that's that's not where they've been this this year. Uh, the good thing for them is they have one of the lightest schedules remaining in the MLB, so 
they'll benefit from that as they compete. Yo, Yankees, they, they're jumping, man. They, they went from third, at one point, fourth place to second place. They've been playing great, carried by that rotation. Um, hitters look better, right? And that is with missing guys, right? Gary Sanchez hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Anthony Rizzo has been out because of COVID. Uh, Voigt just came back, and he said some interesting stuff that we'll get into a little bit in a little bit about his uh, position in uh, on the Yankees. But the Rays have very quietly just kept rolling. They're in first place. They haven't missed a step. They they you know they don't look good or bad. They just look like the Rays. They just keep chugging along. There's nothing really interesting happening for them, right? It's not like any of those those players are having a a spectacular year, right? This is a team effort of winning. So, you know, Nick, I'll kick it to you first, man. What do you see shaking out for the rest of the year with this division? I think this is the one division where we do see some change. But what is your impression for the rest of the year for the AL East? This is the most. Uh, this is gonna be the most fun to watch down the stretch for me because Toronto, like you said, they can just explode for runs at any given point. And the crazy part is, we talk about the Toronto offense being absolutely stacked and scary. We talked about it with Boston. The Yankees just feel like they've just not been hitting on all cylinders. But that's a team that could put up ten runs a game over a five-game stretch, no problem. Like they have that type of offense there. And yet the Tampa Bay Rays have the most runs scored in the division. Uh, but Toronto could pop off and really make a run for it. Like, there's four teams in genuine, genuine competition here. I don't see the Rays losing first place. So, that's to me, that's a foregone conclusion because the Rays always seem to have the Yankees number. It just seems like everybody kind of falls a little bit short when they're playing Tampa Bay. But they're um, all four of the teams. So, the Rays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and Toronto, they all have winning records at home. They all have winning records on the road. And they all also have winning records against teams above 500. And that, to me, is what is super awesome about what's going to happen here because they each can win in different ways. They each can put together a five-game winning streak. They each can put together a five-game losing streak except for the Rays. So there's going to be a lot of movement here, and I would not put any money on anything in this division except for Tampa Bay winning it. But between the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the, and the Blue Jays, no money is coming out of my pocket on any bets of any sort because it is just way too much up in the air. And so sad Baltimore is... They're right where they should be, the worst record in baseball. Everybody's hating on my Pirates. Nope, Boston or Baltimore is absolutely the worst team in all of baseball. They have been the whole year. They're just starting to finally prove it. 13-game losing streak. Yeesh, that's hard. Yo, look, by the way, my, my uh, main prediction, yo, Red Sox finishing fourth. Blue Jays finish above the Red Sox. I'll just say it here. I'll say it now. Yo, Rob. I can see that. Yo, what about you, man? Uh, I know that that me and you watch this division pretty intently, yo. So, what, what do you got going on in the AL East for the rest of the year? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a division that that still uh, has a lot that can be shaken up. I think, you know, if if I had to place a bet on it, I would say, yeah, Tampa Bay probably finishes the year taking the division. But um, I think, you know, like you said, the Yankees are playing hot. But at the same time, it's like they haven't been playing good baseball the, in, the entire year. You yeah, know, we've yeah. seen pretty bad baseball from them. And a lot of the guys that we've seen struggle are still struggling. And, you know, like I said earlier, like a Zach Britton, right? Like though there's some of the struggles are still there for the, for the Yankees. I think for them, it's going to be more about just being able to get a complete team together. Right. Like you said, uh, they were carried a lot um, by their, in their re uh, recent winning by the guys that were pitching. And it's funny because the guy that the guys that were pitching isn't, or aren't even the guys from their main rotation, right? Like Garrett Cole was out with COVID. Jordan Montgomery was also out. Uh, they're trying to get Luis Severino and Corey Kluber back at some point, you know? And so they're still missing pieces, right? Uh, and they still got to figure out what their lineup situation is going to be moving forward. And I don't really know. I think I think a team like the Red Sox can still compete. But, hey, the Blue Jays are still there. They can make a little run. Um, for the Red Sox, like we mentioned earlier, their thing is pitching. If Chris Sale comes at Chris Sale level, it changes things for them. They might be able to push the Yankees out. I mean, we don't really know. Um, I think the AL East is going to be interesting for sure. I th and, I, and, and I'll tell you this. I, the playoffs themselves, the playoffs themselves are going to be so great because think about it. If let's say, let's say, for example, like two teams from the AL East go to the wild card, right? Like whether it be Yankees, Red Sox, Red Sox, Booties, whatever, right? Any combination. Think about it. The four teams in the AL, like any any series is like can be any outcome because 
those teams coming out of the AL East is a is a powerhouse to go up against the the whoever ends up being first place because we don't know yet. The Rays, the White Sox, and the Astros are still all pretty close, right? Any AL uh, East team that ends up coming out of the wild card, like the Blue Jays, like the Red Sox or Yankees, can just go in and and just you know take a series from easily from any other team. So it, it's gonna be it's also gonna set up for a good playoffs. That's I think it's the most exciting part of it, man. And you know. I, I would personally love to see a, a one-game elimination between the Yankees and, and Red Sox. You know, granted, I think the Yankees lose that one. Like I said, you mentioned how poorly the Yankees play. They, they still play. Oh, yeah, they, have, they haven't been playing well. They, like, they, ha- they haven't been playing well like that. Like, again, they've been playing hot, but that doesn't, like, negate the whole, the whole, the fact that they just haven't been on their game the entire year. Yeah, no, and, like, and even, even in their victories, you still scratch your head of, like, how's Aaron Boone a manager, right? Like, it's not like... Yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta write angry letters then. But look, I, 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 one of the interesting parts of of this story though is you know Yankees obviously made all those trade deadline moves and the odd man out seems to be Luke Voigt. And today he made a, a pretty compelling statement and I'll, I'll let you, I'll, I'll ask you guys if you agree or disagree. But he pretty much said, "Hey, look, I deserve to be playing as much as Anthony Rizzo, right? Like I got first place MVP votes last season." Right, I've been hurt this year, but when I'm in the lineup, I've I've been producing. You know, there's nothing that I haven't done that should lose me that position. And the good thing is, the good thing is, the uh, Yankees play in the AL, so they do have that DH spot. And even today, we're, we're going to see Luke Voigt in the DH spot while having the outfield of Stanton, Judge, and, and Gallo. But yo, I'll kick it to you guys. Yo, does Luke Voigt have a point here? I'll go with you, Nick. I feel like it's more up up your alley too, as far as like players and their feelings and shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you? What, does Luke Boy have? Does Luke Boy have a valid point here? He does because he wants to play ball and he wants to play ball in the Yankees and he wants to be in competition. So yeah, he has a complete yes. He absolutely has a point here. The only thing I would say to Luke Boyd is hold on a second and look who you're comparing yourself to. Like, say you should be playing, but let's not say you should be playing over Anthony Rizzo. First of all, the left-handed bat fits better in that stadium, in that lineup, in the AL East, everywhere you play. If you're going to go righty versus lefty, all things considered, you're going to pick the lefty. So let's just get that out of the way. But also, like, defensively, he's nowhere near Anthony Rizzo. Oh, he's dog shit. He, he, he told he, Rogan he's, he's dog shit defensively. I'm sorry. Fair enough. And, <laughs> and I knew that, but I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like, Anthony Rizzo, you could put him up there as the greatest first baseman defensively to ever play the game. Like. It would be a hard argument, but it's better than saying Luke Voigt's an average first baseman defensively. Like, you have a better chance of winning it. And he told Rognan Odor the very first day that he got over there, just throw the ball in my direction, I'll catch it. And Rognan Odor has been so much better and so much more confident playing the infield since Rizzo came over. That is a game changer. Rizzo makes literally the other eight players better, where Voigt doesn't. He doesn't make everybody else better. And if you can raise your entire team like a Rizzo, there's no competition. But I love the passion behind Luke's statement, and I totally back it up. I don't want a guy on my team that doesn't think he's better than an Anthony Rizzo. That's a great statement. That's a great thing to have on your team. And I'm sure that Rizzo is going to take it the right way and go to him like, man, let's go. Let's compete. Let's do this fun. Let's have each other's back. Let's not get at each other. And when you have a guy like Rizzo that's going to probably go talk to Luke Voigt like that, now you've got a team building and sky's the limit. So I love it. I think it's going to put the right energy that belongs in that clubhouse. Yeah, and Luke Boy still has a career, right? Like it's not, it's not like there's no value to to Luke Boy. Yo, Rob, I'll kick it to you, man. What do you think about his comments? Um, and how how should we use this guy? Yeah, no, I mean his his comments are valid, but I think at the end of the day, it fall, it falls on the Yankees. Like it's not it's not a situation that needs to be cleaned up by Luke Voigt. Like his comment, his comments were valid, right? But the Yankees knew what they were doing when they traded for Anthony Rizzo. So for the end, for the, for the rest of the year, right? Like they knew if they weren't going to move Luke Voigt, then Luke Voigt also has to be part of the lineup. I mean, the e- like the easiest solution is you put Luke Voigt at DH, you put Anthony Rizzo at first, and you run an outfield of Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Gallo, and Aaron Judd, whatever. Whatever, whatever that defense turned out to be or whatever, I mean, Joey Gallo and Aaron Judge are pretty good defensively. Like, I'll risk myself with Giancarlo Stanton, whatever. But at this point, look, Giancarlo's getting paid millions of dollars. Like, at least for the remainder of this season, you have to run that outfield. Like, there's, there's, 
like Aaron Boone as a manager, like cannot be so stupid not to run that outfield. Like that's how you have to run your lineup. I'm sorry. Like whatever. Don't, don't give me no like, Oh, injury risk, whatever. No, like that's the outfield that you have to run. Like if you made the trade, that is what, that is the best lineup that you run is that all of your best hitters in the lineup. Like that's what you need to win games. So it's at least for this year, look, I don't know what the Yankees plan is long-term, right? Anthony Rizzo might low-key win himself an, ex an extension because, again, like I mentioned before, one of the positive things about him is he is a lefty bat. Like his and, and that right field in Yankee Stadium benefits him as a hitter. So his numbers are going to look better in Yankee Stadium. Like Luke Voigt is also a power hitter, but the Yankees have to decide what they want to do with Luke Voigt long-term. He very well might be a first baseman, just not in New York. They might look to move him in the offseason. We don't know, but as of right now, they just have to run both of them in the lineup if they want the lineup to be, you know, at, at, at the best it can be. Yeah, yeah. It look, and I, I agree with you, man. Look, and and here's my here's my take on this, right? Um, Giancarlo Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield is people make it seem a lot worse than it really is, right? Um, you know, we forget that at points in his career in the, in the Marlins where he couldn't DH. He did have seasons where he was positive as far as his defensive metrics out there, right? Um, this guy's an athlete. You know, he, he's not as sly-footed as, as you'd want him to be out there. But, you know, ever since he's been playing the outfield more, he's actually kind of gotten better at, at the plate, right? He's not just sitting around at bat to at bat, kind of waiting to see what happens. Um, you know, and, and that being said, he's back at, in, in the DH role today. So, you know, womp, womp. But... You know, still, my, my point is Giancarlo isn't a liability in the outfield. And I think that's one of those things where where fans hear that and be like, oh, what? But he's not good. He's not a liability, though. He's going to do what he has to. He's not going to make any special plays for you. But he's going to do his job, right? And then you have two go Glovers and, and Judge and, and Gallo out there who can play pretty much anywhere, anywhere out there. I think my biggest problem is the fact that we still have Andrew Heaney in the rotation. But, yo, that's 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 a discussion for another time, yo. Guys. We're about to get out of here. Is there anything you got else you guys want to end on? Rob, Nick? Nah, man. We look, we have we have a lot of interesting races to look forward to. Again, uh there I think there are some division, uh there are some uh divisions that we can we can pretty much like call here, right? Like the AL Central is 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 probably gonna go to the White Sox and, and the NL Central is probably going to Milwaukee. But you look you look at the at both East Divisions and both West Divisions, they're they're up for grabs. Like I'm not I'm not ready to 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 necessarily quit on a lot of those teams like a, a, every division that you look at those four like probably have like three real contenders in in each so we we don't know We're, we definitely have some more baseball to talk about here yeah uh look at rob manfred dead in the eyes if i could he has the perfect opportunity to absolutely market the shit out of this game they just had the number one viewership game in 16 years played they need to build off that they need to play that on repeat on mlb network they need to find a way to get it played back on Fox at some point, but he has the Yankees and the Red Sox lined up to play a one game playoff. Like that is the stuff dreams are made of. Oh, by the way, you now also have the Giants and the Dodgers locked going down the stretch. <clears throat> you have two of the best rivalries in all of sports at the top of the standings. And they're in the opposite leagues, one in the NL, one in the AL. The story does not get set up any better than this. You don't even have to hire a good actor. You just need to not mess it up. And then you have a low, lowly team like the Brewers who are coming out and showing the world that they're just going to be on fire and be you know, pulling out through the entire season. Atlanta is a national team because of back in the day being broadcasted across the country, one of the few teams there on top. You have the hated Astros on top. And you have the young White Sox who everybody wants to do well. I feel like the White Sox was the team that literally nobody was going against throughout the entire season and coming into the season. The script is there. It is perfect. I hope MLB takes full advantage of everything they have right now because I don't think there's been a better August going into September than what we have right now for the game of baseball. Storyline galore. Who knows, man? Maybe Kevin Costner comes back and, and makes another baseball movie. Him, He'll pitch for the Tigers and throw a no-hitters last Again, game. yeah. No, him, him and, and mustache guy who looks like Keith Hernandez, but he's way bigger. Who's that guy from Mr. Baseball? Um, I just call him Mustache Guy. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. He's coming back too. You heard it here first. Pi. You heard it here first. We're doing all the throwbacks. All right, look, guys. We'll catch you guys next week. 
enjoy this baseball. Look, it's been fun. It's staying fun. In my opinion, the best part about the season, it hasn't really been about the individuals, even though we do have some great individuals doing some crazy stuff. The team game has been awesome. So yeah, yo, we'll, we'll catch you guys next time. Yo, peace out. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Diamond Talk. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. To catch up on our old episodes, or if you want to check out the rest of the awesome pods that we have under the SSAW network, head to our website at tssaw.com. And do not forget to subscribe. See you all next week, and we'll catch you on the season.